I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Forty-eight to fourteen, uh, Jalen Hurts just uh, a man among boys in the world of college football right now. Uh, a couple of uh, quick things just to note: uh, Hurts once again, Oklahoma's leading rusher and leading passer. Obviously, he's the quarterback. That's kind of what quarterbacks do. They lead the team in passing yards. Sooners with over six hundred yards of offense. Uh, I, I, I I don't know, man. I just I keep watching them do this, and the fact that they had six hundred and eleven. Yards of offense. I, Not surprising. Well, no, it is because they did it on like 60-something plays. I mean, they're averaging 10 yards a play. Right, and you've got to look at the fact, just take the first quarter, for example, here. And all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts, four carries, 99 Not the first yards. quarter, the first drive. The first <laughs> drive, four carries, 99 first drive, yards. yes. First drive, and when you start putting up those kinds of numbers, it's very easy to understand why Oklahoma's averaging 700 yards of offense. Now, if we want to put this in the grand scope of things at this point in time, Matt, the 600 is down <laughs> from what oh, we no, should sure, expect. Sure, but okay, let's just jump in this, because okay? the story to me, offensive side of the ball, when, he, when you're talking about Oklahoma, 48-14 final, by the way, Welcome to the Vivid Seats Studio and the Sooner Nation podcast, the uh, post-game podcast, Oklahoma, UCLA. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I, I got another um, record-breaking performance for him, becomes the first Oklahoma quarterback to pass for over 200 yards in the first half and run for over 200, uh, over 100 yards in the first half. He had 206 passing yards, two scores, 141 rushing yards, including does 99 yards on the first drive of the game. I, I, I don't. We talked Thursday night when we were previewing this game. We talked about how unstoppable Jalen Hurts is, and it it just it blows my mind that three weeks into the season you're playing your first Power Five opponent, and they can't figure out how to stop him. Not going to be an easy situation or riddle to solve as we head into conference play. For the duration of yeah, it. I yeah, was just two, weeks, say, two weeks from tonight. Yeah, I was going to say the first game, but it, it's going to be for the duration. Yeah. How do you stop Jalen Hurts? One of the things that you and I had talked about, again, looking at our previous podcast, was really attempting to keep Jalen Hurts between the tackles and make him beat you with his arm instead of his running ability. I saw a UCLA team attempt to keep him between the tackles on numerous times, and it, it didn't matter mm-hmm. because Jalen Hurts was running people over. He wasn't afraid to buy himself a little bit of time, which was a, a very welcomed 
sight in my mind is as you saw some of the things break down there in the backfield, the offensive line holding their own. But Jalen Hurts continuing to survey the field as these receivers, specifically Charleston Rambo, breaks towards the other side of the field and scores that touchdown on that long pass there. Very, very good things coming out of this game. Of course, you're adding a couple of dimensions to the offense with the trick plays that we saw tonight, which means that in the future, program defenses specifically are going to have to prepare for those things in those contests just to be ready for that situation. Well, yeah, and you're talking about the post uh, post pattern that Charleston Rambo ran. And that, again, if, if you can just sit down and – because we become to expect these things. I mean, Lincoln Riley, he, he, he's been around long enough for you to expect the offense to hum. And, and you don't really appreciate, in my opinion, the football genius behind it. You know, you, you pull it, uh, point out the, the, touch, the second touchdown pass that Rambo caught on the post. And everything if, – if you're Jalen Hurts, okay – Everything is moving to your left by design. So all of your all of your players are moving to the left by design. To the right. Sorry, moving. Your from, your hands are yeah, moving to the yeah, right. Yeah. Moving from. I'm, I'm gonna explain. Moving from your left is what I meant to say. They're okay. moving from your left to the right side of the field. Everything and because your offense is moving that direction, automatically the defense doing their job moves that direction as well, and then. You got Rambo running the post pattern to the left. You can't you can't cover that. If you give him time, let the play develop, that is an unstoppable play. Because uh, it's the boundary corner who's on Charleston Rambo, the right side boundary corner. So he's on the outside of Rambo. When Rambo breaks in on the post, you're not going to catch him. If the ball's there, it's touchdown. It's it's yeah, see. I get where you're coming from, but I'm talking about the other, the other Rambo touchdown. No, the the play, first one. The, the first play one. had broken down. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. You see, yeah, I guess you see you're the saying. UCLA yeah. defensive linemen, anyone who is attempting to rush or hurry Jalen Hurts in this situation is now laying on the ground, which buys Jalen Hurts that time. It was the play where he held the ball for six and a half seconds in the backfield before actually releasing it. Mm-hmm. He's everything, again, moving from left to right, like you're saying, Jalen Hurts rolling out to his right, doesn't see anything, so kind of regathers himself, and he takes, I think it's three or four steps back to his left. As he starts moving left, Rambo keys in on that and begins moving to, he's facing the backfield, so it's going to be his right, but he's moving towards the left hash now, and all of a sudden, it, it's wide open. Jalen Hurts delivers that pass. Exceptional work by the quarterback, by Jalen Hurts, in that situation, not to simply let the first read be the first right, read right. before taking off. It's keeping those eyes downfield. It's seeing what's developing and knowing that when you've asked um, a defensive back to cover a receiver, especially a receiver the caliber of what Oklahoma has, for more than three seconds, there are going to be lapses in that coverage. There are going to be gaps and holes. It's just taking advantage of them. And like I said, Jalen Hurts was able to do that with his arm tonight, and it was a very welcome sight. Yeah, and, and you that's one thing we talked about after the Houston game was the, um, the ability to really just kind of uh, be patient. But also, <laughs> also... <laughs> we, we've got to, we've got to come back to this one because I agree 100 percent with what you're saying, but 
there, there's a key factor here that we're going to get to here in this little bit, and that is the offensive line. The left side of the offensive line was not just letting people have a free pass tonight. Right. And we're, we're going to get to that. Uh, he's Rich. I'm Matt. You listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. Heartland Sports is where you can find us. Oklahoma Rose 48 to 14 over UCLA. We got to talk about running backs and receivers, offensive line, and defense. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so welcome back to the Sooner Nation podcast, Vivid Seat Studios. Oklahoma is off next week. Uh, no game next week for Oklahoma, which means no late night Saturday night podcast for, for you and I. But two weeks from today, they start, uh, they start conference play against Texas Tech. If you're looking for a way to get tickets, Vivid Seats is your answer. Use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, just in case you can't spell that. <laughs> overtime uh, for some great deals and discounts on your tickets. I, I want to skip to the offensive line. We Usually offensive line be, is it's kind of the, the last thing we talked about, but you, you brought up a great point at the end of that segment about Jalen Hurts being more patient in the pocket, something that we've, uh, we, we've kind we've of asked for, but right, haven't seen. Right. I don't, you probably knew this, but if, if you didn't, Marquise Hayes makes the start tonight on the left side. And you have two penalties on the offensive line early. They're on the right side. For the first time, all the penalties are on the right side. Do you know when the first penalty on the left side of the offensive line came? I don't because I thought for sure it was one of the first two. No, no, those were those were on the on the on the right side. That was big Tyrus. Um, the the first penalty on the left side of the offensive line came with seven minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Seven and some change, almost in the seven minute mark. When R.J. Proctor gets subbed in, mm-hmm. to me, this that I and I wrote it in our in our kind of quick thoughts recap at Heartland Sports. Marquise Hayes was the missing link on this offensive line. To me, this is the first time this season. I, there was one time I stopped and just rewound it because of the number of UCLA guys that are on their backs mm-hmm. with an offensive lineman laying on them. Right. This was the first time these guys have been the maulers and the just the nasty, just punish you, embarrass you, and then talk trash to you. There was one play, um, and it, it was it was Marquise Hayes. I'm, I'm, I'm 97% confident that he, he has the defensive lineman on the ground. He's laying on him. The play begins to move downfield, so Marquise Hayes – kind of does a push-up to get up, and the lineman goes to stand up, and Marquise just shoves him right back down. I'm just that, That's what we've not seen through the first two games that we saw it tonight, and I think that might be one of the contributing factors, not the main reason, but one of the contributing factors to a little bit more of a patient Jalen Hurts. Uh, some of it is, is also trust with the receivers and really just kind of changing who he is, but I want you to talk about the offensive line, but I, I well, go ahead and I'll just stop there. I, I've been talking. And now <laughs> you're, it's your turn. you're good. The the play from the offensive line, I do want to point out that it doesn't just contribute to the patience that we see from Jalen Hurts. It contributes to the patience that we see 
of anyone in the backfield. Now, the offensive line isn't perfect. They weren't perfect tonight, obviously. There were a couple of situations where Oklahoma was abused up front as the UCLA play, players made their way into the backfield. Needless to say, Oklahoma handled business, though. They were consistent. They executed at a high level. Oklahoma does run plays. I know that they were highlighted throughout the duration of the game. We highlighted them heading into this season as Oklahoma was attempting to replace four starting offensive linemen. But it's those it's those guard pulls, it's the counter plays where you are essentially forced as a running back to be patient in that situation. Because a, a guy who's 320-plus, he's not moving. <laughs> Even if you're Ramondre Stevenson at, at 230, these offensive linemen aren't moving as fast as you are to fill that hole and to open up a gap for which you can run through as the running back. So I look at what they were doing. I look at – it's not the complexity – um, but yet it is still a complex ask of an offensive lineman. And again, it was that consistency. You talk about the nastiness that we see from Creed Humphrey. That now to me is spilling over outwards from the center as it works its way throughout the rest of this offensive line. And I would say hands down, no questions asked, most dominant performance of the three games that we've seen so far. And that was the the bigger Probably, I would say, the best defense that Oklahoma's faced up to this point of the season. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to disagree with you on, on, on that at all. I, I think probably the best defense, and, and, and probably the best defense they're going to face until they see Texas next month. Um, you know, sticking with Jalen Hurts, but moving to the running backs, I, I think we're just – I think we just need to be resigned to the that fact. That's not even fair. It's just not even well, fair. Well, I mean, which we need to be resigned to the fact that this is the offense. That Jalen Hurts against UCLA, 14 carries. Trey Sermon, Kenny Brooks, seven carries each. Right. The way that they're just going to split this up, that's what we need to expect. For the, we, we talked about the 16 carries in the season opening against Houston. Is that too many? Well, I guess the answer to that question is no. This is what Lincoln Riley wants from Jalen Hurts. And when you see it play out, the reality is you see how difficult it is. Essentially, with that extra running back in the backfield, um, UCLA tried your idea. I don't know if you picked up on it or not. <laughs> they tried your idea. They tried to spy Jalen Hurts and keep right. a spy over him. And it just it can't. You can't. It can't mm-hmm. work. That's why you saw uh, the mismatches that you saw. That, that's why you saw 99 yards on four carries. Because Jalen Hurts can get that spy out of position and then be gone, and um, it just—I'm okay with it. I, I hope the running backs. Uh, hopefully, it's one of those do what it takes to win. Oh, you should. <laughs> we're looking at there's, highlights there's right the now. Highlight. Yeah, That's the play too, too bad about. our too bad our listeners can't can't uh, can't right. see it. Right. But um, it's one of those do what it takes to win type deals, and and I, I, I apparently everyone's on board with it as long as you're winning. Um, yeah, exactly. That That's a very good point, as long as you're winning. I am a large proponent of taking what the defense gives you, and if that means running Jalen Hurts that many times, that's okay by me. And and here's the reason why. is because I'm looking at Trey Sermon. I'm looking at Kennedy Brooks, Ramondre Stevenson in, in the second half, and you essentially have – two running backs in the backfield at all times, potentially three, and then you, you can even throw 
Um, a couple of other guys. Well, when he, uh, for example, Jeremiah Hall, right? You know, uh, a versatile guy like Hall into the backfield. It's a it's a very complex thing to defend when you have no idea who's getting the ball or what the play call is. But when you've got two at all times, in my opinion, two running backs because of Jalen Hurts, you just have one that can throw it. It adds a new dimension to this offensive attack to what Lincoln Riley is capable of. And we're I, I'm going to go ahead and say it here, three weeks into the season, we will never see an offense like this again. I, I agree. I was thinking about that as I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking, is this the best Lincoln Riley has ever had with an offense? And I think the answer is yes. I, I, he's not had – and we knew this with Jalen Hurts. He's not had a quarterback with this skill set. You know, is he the polished passer of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield? The answer is no. We've talked about that. But he can do things that Kyler and Baker couldn't do, and his experience and maturity and patience are so incredible. And that drive to consistently get better. Yeah. I know he <laughs> – I, I thought it was quite funny in the post-game interview. Jalen Hurts says, I know I sound like a broken record, mm-hmm. but there's always room to improve. And that's who – he is. I think that's why Alabama's been so good is because they've leaned on that mentality and Jalen Hurts, the leadership that he exudes, the ability to rally people, even if he's not the most vocal person on the field, he is that example that people look up to and are trying to imitate. If that becomes who this Oklahoma team is, we're, we are looking at, going back to the question, is this the best offense? Is this an offense that we'll ever see again? Is it the best offense under League and Riley? I, I think for those reasons, we have to sway people into this mindset. Well, I mean, and again, we're early in the season. I mean, we're, we're three games in, mm-hmm. uh, but it's you can't, you can't ignore results, especially when you finally get up to the Power 5 level. Jalen Hurts, 15 of 20, passing 289 yards, three touchdowns. 14 carries, 150 yards, one touchdown. He did not make it to 500 yards which I said he would, but a four-touchdown, 400-plus um, yard, four-touchdown performance on national television, not a bad way to swallow some, uh, some West Coast people. Um, they obviously, the Fox broadcasters, I'm a big fan of Brock Heward. Uh, they, they liked what they saw. Jalen Hurts, is he, is he now the front runner after three weeks on the Heisman? If, if he's not, he's got to be tied, in my opinion, for that lead. There are obviously some good players across the country. There are some people who made a name for themselves last year and are still riding those coattails in the Heisman conversation. How the rest of the season plays out will ultimately determine who wins it. And we've got a couple of dark horse candidates who are quickly rising through the ranks. Are they, Matt, I know you're shaking your head. I'm vigorously shaking my head. You have to ask contender contender or pretender at this point in time. There's for three, the Heisman, yeah, there's total. three candidates: Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts. Yes, that's it. I, I no don't one disagree. Else. I don't disagree. Now they might find because you got to get someone from the Big Ten. Yeah, so they might find somebody. Do you know? Oh yeah, you got to because they cry a lot. So you got to get someone from the Big Ten. Wisconsin running back, maybe, or or Justin Fields. I mean, someone from the Big Ten's got to uh-huh. be there. But it, it'll be it'll be one of those three that wins it. I mean, I'm just telling you, it, it, one of those three. It, it, it's really. In my opinion, if you want me to be honest with you, there's there's two candidates. I'm, I'm it's Jalen or Tua. That's I, who's going to win. I'm fearful, 
that it's going to be a career achievement award. Well, I, I no, I, I don't. I, Not for Jalen Hurts. No, I'm, I'm saying you're talking about Tua. Yeah. But but here's the thing, you you got to look at guys like Paul Feinbaum, who and I and I, I can't stand Paul Feinbaum, but he is so much on the Jalen Hurts train right now. I mean, yeah, even because, my even because my he's week, an SEC guy. That's what I'm saying. Jalen Hurts <laughs> is going to sway if he continues to do what he's doing. There, he here's the thing, phenomenal athlete. Phenomenal football player, but also a phenomenal person. You you can't cut that out. And these guys were they covered Jalen Hurts, they interviewed Jalen Hurts, they were a part of his life for all those years at Alabama. They they've got a vested interest in this. And if these stats continue to hold, if these performance here, here's the thing. Um consistency. Houston, three touchdown passes. South Dakota, three touchdown passes. UCLA. Three touchdown passes. I mean, he he's consistently performing, consistently the leading rusher, consistently high level, high percentage um, pass completions. Those type of things. Paul Feinbaum says I'm on board with Jalen Hurts. And when you see guys like that, you know there's other guys. I'm telling you, it, now we're going to get into SEC play, but the truth is, I said there's three candidates. I think there's really two. It comes down to two. It'll be Jalen Hurts or Tua that that win this thing. That's just my that's my unofficial official take. Um, the running backs they weren't bad. I mean, you take Jalen Hurts out of the equation. Kenny Brooks seven carries, sixty two yards. Trey Sermon seven carries, fifty one yards. Ramondre Stevenson nine carries, thirty seven yards, and the score. Um, I mean, Oklahoma three hundred nine yards on the ground, three hundred and two yards in the air. Um, 23 rushing attempts, excuse me, 23 passing attempts, 41 rushing attempts. This is a balanced, uh, a, a run-heavy offense. And what it tells me, we, we haven't even talked about receivers yet, but what it tells me is if you're going to beat Oklahoma, you got to stop them from running. you got to stop the run. And as long as you've got Jalen Hurts doing what he's doing, I don't, I don't see how you do that. <laughs> I concur. There's not really – in in my mind, and I, I've said this, so I'm going to keep it short. When you're lining up Jalen Hurts, and then you can go three deep at the running back position, it's nearly impossible to game plan for. Um, because each of these guys, whether it's Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, or Ramondre Stevenson at this point, each of these guys brings a different style to the field that – doesn't combat each other. That's the term that comes to mind. Complement. There we go. That complements one another. And in different situations, how do you prepare to face Trey Sermon? How how do you prepare for a completely different situation for Kennedy Brooks? Or you also have to account for Jalen Hurts in each of those. It's it's a very complex situation to break down and, and adequately defend on a consistent basis. I agree with you. Stopping this rushing attack will be key to stopping Oklahoma, making them throw the ball, making the receivers come up with those big-time catches and move the chains on a consistent basis. Can they do it? Absolutely. But any team that's one-dimensional becomes significantly easier to beat. I just don't see how you make them one-dimensional at this I don't, point. I don't either. We've got to talk about receivers. We've got to take a break. I've got something mildly controversial to say about Oklahoma's receivers. You're listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. You can catch us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the Sooner Nation, uh, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. All right, I'm just going to throw it out there. We have three weeks of, uh, of work. I mean, three weeks of of uh, a body of evidence, uh, okay? I, I think after this game, you can really start to say, these are things that you're going to see happen regularly through the season now. Based on that, I'm going to say something about Oklahoma's receivers. We, we know how talented they are, mm-hmm. all right? Who's Oklahoma's best receiver? Uh, <laughs> to me, mm-hmm. it, you have to look at past performances. The, the most NFL-ready receiver in the Big 12 is on Oklahoma's roster. Who is it? It's C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I mean, a close second is Grant Calcaterra. Mm-hmm. Charleston Rambo is going to be Oklahoma's leading receiver this year. He is. He, I mean, there's just no way around it. I just, but it, see, see, here's the thing. If this is your controversial statement, it's, it's acceptable. And that's because, Matt, we've talked about the NFL readiness We've talked about the fact that Jalen Hurts is walking into a team that has proven receivers that can produce at an extremely high level and then was bringing in this extremely talented recruiting class at the same position. You have a guy like Lamb. You have a guy like CD. I mean, CD, Calcaterra. i got the C in my mind. Calcaterra, and they're drawing a majority of the attention. Well, all of a sudden, it does leave someone open. If you're shading over Calcaterra, or Lamb, it's a one-on-one matchup for Rambo, and you're not fast enough to keep up with him. Right, and that's kind of what I was talking about with that that post pattern play. Charleston Rambo with five five receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb only had one catch, and it was an amazing catch. How does CeeDee Lamb get open? I, I feel like every game this season, all three times, we find one play where CeeDee Lamb's all by himself for a touchdown. How does that happen? I mean, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I, I, if I'm anyone, if I could go to these defensive meetings where they break down film, I bet, I've, I, bet I would hear it three times now from three different defensive coordinators. How does that happen? Because what they're doing is they're rolling the guy over top of CeeDee Lamb. So CeeDee Lamb's got two guys. That's why Charleston Rambo is just running free. Right. But still with that, with that much attention, with these coaches saying number two will not beat us, all right? We're going to make him check down. Go to number 14. Go to number 80. I don't care. Number two is not going to beat us. Well, you're not going to be able to run with number with, with Charleston Rambo. You're not going to run with number 14. But still, somehow in every game, Sealand's wide open downfield. How does he do it? It's just how good some players are, I guess. I'm just I, It happened again uh, tonight, and I'm going – it's 39 yards downfield. That's a that's just a free that's free points. So um, CD Lamb, I I truly believe the most NFL ready receiver in the Big 12 will not win the Bolitnikov because of the attention that he's drawing. But man, Charleston Rambo should be buying this guy a Brahms milkshake or something every week. I, I don't know. I don't know what these guys. I, I know they've got this strict diet that they're on with the nutritionist. 
But they're if they're going <laughs> to well, cheat. Apparently, you can have In and Out Burger. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. If, if they're going to cheat the diet, then 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 Rambo owes Ceedee Lamb some milkshakes or something. Um, hey, let me let me ask you this. It's technically not the offense, but it's still scoring points. Are you? A little more comfortable with the with the place kicking game. Yeah, after yeah, for sure. That was one of the things that immediately came to mind when you connect on two consecutive field goal attempts. I had mentioned earlier this week that I believed Oklahoma would would get him some chip shots, essentially to get some confidence. Whether that was just the consistency of kicking extra points or those right around thirty yards, which is what we saw tonight out of the field goal. Um, team, if you will. Needless to say, moving forward, it shores up a lot of the concerns that we had because we now know that we have someone who won't just crumble because of the the first outing Mm -hmm. that they had as the starter on this team. Connecting on two is going to go a long way in propelling Sutherland. Sutherland's kicking those. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Sutherland, it's going to propel his career for me. No, I, I agree, and and I, you want him to have confidence, and that's why I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't give him a chance against South Dakota because you want him to have the confidence. Did you see? Did you see the end of the Michigan State Arizona State game? I did. You want your kicker to have confidence. I I also saw. Yeah, that was a wacky series of events, but not as unfortunate as what happened with Iowa State and Iowa. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna yes, we're gonna get into that. Um, absolutely <laughs> gonna get into that when we do the Big Twelve rundown. Probably the worst way I've seen to lose a game <laughs> this year. Uh, let's let's uh, swap over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Oklahoma, I, I I'm I'm just now getting on College Press Box uh, to see the the defensive stats. I'm just gonna let you guess if you don't already know. You may know this. I don't know how many. How many tackles for loss did Oklahoma have tonight? I don't know that answer, but I would say nine. Okay, they had five sacks, and a sack mm-hmm. counts as a tackle for loss, right. which I thought they I had counted four, so I need to go back and change something in my recap, but no one cares about that. Um, so they had five sacks. Yeah, I, like All right. I, said, I said nine. nine okay, I'm, but I'm giving you five, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm asking if you want to stick with nine. Yeah, let's stick with nine. You're going to stick with nine. Why is it double digit? It's 16. Sixteen, sixteen Man, that, tackles that for makes loss. Life difficult. Um, a totaling forty-nine yards and loss. Um, Kenneth Murray accounted for three of those. Uh, Jalen Redmond was a beast tonight. Uh, two and a half uh, tackles for loss. Um, to one, two, three, four, five different guys uh, contributed to the sacks. Um, I just, I mean, Murray's your leading tackler. Seventeen tackles tonight. Patrick Fields. Uh, with 11, you're doing the... Uh, yeah, can I can I just toot my own horn? Yeah, please not, do. Not only on the score prediction uh-huh. here, which I said would be 49 to 14, but also I picked Kenneth Murray right, as right. my defensive player of the game, and I picked Charleston Rambo as my not-named Jalen Hurts offensive player of the game. Toot. Toot. No, because I... I, I... I'm not in on any of that because <laughs> I, I think I had Neville, Big Nev. But, you, did. you know, Big, Big Nev had a sack. Two tackles for loss and four tackles. The thing is, you we saw what we needed to see from Oklahoma's defense. We talked about blowing these plays up from the middle of the field, uh, from the middle of the line, and and you you saw that in, in play tonight. That why why did why was Kenneth Murray a, able to clean up? Why did he get three tackles for loss? 
because no one could live in the middle of the field with this defensive line just coming. And and um and a lot of that goes to like guys like Marquis Overton, Kenneth Murray uh, uh, was was able to keep containment and then clean up on that. Patrick Fields had a great game. But let me tell you, do you, do you know who I'm just loving right now on this defense in the secondary? Oh, you're gonna say Jaden Davis. I am gonna say Jaden Davis. I I'm this I, ha- kid. I had to think because initially I thought you'd say Riley Hiles. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't know where I am. Right, I don't know where I am right there. But Jaden Davis, four tackles tonight. But here's what I'm liking from Jaden Davis. I love his aggressiveness. He he knows his body size. He knows how to bring a guy down. Watch him. He lunges at lower body. He doesn't try to take anybody up high. I coached defensive backs for a while, and I was a better receivers coach than I was a defensive backs coach. But when I coached my defensive backs, I would just wear them out if they tried to tackle a running back up high. I'm like, hips down, boys, hips down. Take out their legs because that's how you bring them down. Anything else, you're doing like Buki did against the Kansas State tight end last year where you make a big hit, but then you're done for three weeks. Jaden Davis is a freshman who knows how – not only does he know how to hit – He's not afraid to tackle and lunge his body exactly where it needs to be to bring runners down. Love it. And I know you're trying to say something. He's pretty dang good in pass coverage as well. I thought he was the most sure tackler through these first three games in the secondary. Now, we've seen a couple of these older guys, a couple of guys that are a little more highly touted than a guy like Jaden Davis at this point in time, miss tackles in the open field. The one one singular play – that I would love to just break down mm-hmm. at this point in time involved Jaden Davis. It was the the screenplay that could have gone for major yardage. And I know that we are sitting here watching it on Fox. Fox is breaking it down. And the commentators are loving what they're seeing out of this freshman. Why? Because not only does he fight through his would-be the, the offensive player who's blocking him now, he sheds that first guy then gets through that second one and makes a, what could have been, unless someone was going to run him down, was a touchdown-saving tackle. You talk about a guy, not only is he aware of his capabilities and what he needs to do to, to bring a player down, but he's also aware of the field and where the players are on the field because no way, not if you had asked him to make that tackle 10 times, I think he gets it once. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I just this is a this is a group that they're better coached, okay? So so they're they're in play. But again, you got to be you got you got to make the play, right? And and you're seeing that start to develop. I, I'm a little bit distracted now because um, College Press Box has these stats wrong, and you're you're going to be a little bit heartbroken here. Um. College Press Box is is putting up with uh with this game they're putting up last week's stats. So we got we got to redo this a little bit. I mean I thought it was a lot of tackles for loss, but they still have I mean they still had uh two, three, four, five, six. Uh, that gets into uh they had six tackles for loss. I mean that's that's not bad. Not, um one, two, three, four, five. It's just not uh. This is just not good journalism right here. Who's ever posting these stats? Um, we'll survive. It's all good. But 
You want to guess who the who the real leading tackler is for this team? <laughs> I already peaked. So why don't you go ahead and tell us? <laughs> Jaden Davis, Oklahoma's leading tackler against UCLA. Um, look, it, the the stats being all kind of out of whack don't really uh, change my opinion on what we saw here. I mean, as far as um, as far as the, what we're seeing from the defense, you still had you know Jalen Redmond just blowing things up in the middle. You had um, I, I you just I mean you you, you had, my my son and and you know my son he he went to college to play football he knows a thing or two about the quarterback position because that's that's what he played and and at one point he just looked at me and goes man I feel sorry for for Thompson Robinson you know I just I feel sorry for him and and I was like I don't but anyway um. Any other thoughts on the defense now that we've totally messed all the stats up? Yeah, the only thing that I, I would throw out there with the defense, heading into the season, Alex Grinch had put the number of two turnovers per game. Oklahoma is is actually catching the interceptions. They're not just hitting them in the hands right, right. this time. They're, they're pulling those down. I think you've got to look at that one. Just great instincts, a great break. On the ball there from Trey Brown, when you look at the one that uh, Ryan Jones had, had he not caught that, I think he would have caught, caught some flack. Mm-hmm. But those balls were being zipped in there. Needless to say, shut it. Needless to say, when you have that ability to make that break and actually, not only is it the decision, but you get there in time, as you're just trekking out of bounds to, to bring that in as a catch, as an interception. Pretty pretty incredible play there from Trey Brown. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, Oklahoma with the two interceptions. And I also count, I, I tweeted this out, that I, I count the uh, the turnover on downs. When they when they stood up UCLA on fourth down, to me that's a turnover. I mean, right. you had the ball and you don't have it anymore. The mm-hmm. other team has it. That's a turnover. So really, in, in my book, I've got three turnovers on the night for this defense which puts them equal where they need to be for the season. They had three last week. They had three tonight. Uh, you should, after three games, if, if you, Alex Grinch has said, we demand two turnovers a night, that's six turnovers. I think you're, you're on par with where you need to be. There, there's still some fundamental things. If, if I'm going into this bye week with this defense, I'm still working on fundamentals. The X's and O's, I believe, are there. But you saw poor tackling, rare its ugly head. Uh, there was one time early in the game, John Michael Terry gets caught in pass coverage that is not an ideal situation you don't want him out there uh covering tight ends but if he's going to have to then you, your safeties have to recognize that and give him support there there are some basic just fundamental things that they've got to work on but we talked about this Thursday night in in our um in our preview you know UCLA went into this game averaging 14 points a night and they left the game averaging 14 points a night. So your defense, they, you weren't worse than, than what they would face. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you were on par. You were good enough to keep them well, to, to, to do what – now, I would say defensive front, this is the best UCLA has faced. I do believe they will face better uh, in, in conference. I think USC's defensive front is pretty dang good. Um, now, USC doesn't have anything offensively that, that matches what Oklahoma has. But defensively – I think what they bring is, is on par with what Oklahoma has. Washington has a pretty good defensive front. And if you're Chip Kelly, I mean, you kind of knew you were losing tonight. I mean, everybody wants to win. 
But while you're going in there, look at their look at their look at their next three games. I think two of their next three are on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, find out like it's Washington State, Arizona, and then who? Oregon State. I mean, your first win still two weeks away, three weeks away. Yeah, here's. I want to go back to your 14 point statement, saying essentially what I'm taking away from your statement is you're saying Oklahoma's defense was was on par for the course with these other defenses that that UCLA has faced. I don't necessarily agree with that. And, and the reason being, let me first say, is that what you were saying? No, I'm just saying the, the offensive performance that UCLA produced wasn't any better than what they had the, the couple, first couple of weeks. And it really wasn't any worse than they had there. I mean, they had 14 points. What, what, what we saw out of UCLA – if you look at the breakdown, it pretty much statistically matches up with what they had done the first two weeks of the season. Right. I'm I'm going in and I'm looking at it from the perspective, not that you're saying they were on par, but if that idea creeps up in anyone's mind, we also have to take into account the fact that Oklahoma was scoring basically at will, which gave the ball back to UCLA. UCLA probably had more opportunities to score okay, in, that's, that's in a better point. position than they did against a team like Cincinnati. And granted, both of those are only 14 points, but one's a 10-point win, and the other one's a 34-point win for the opposing team. Okay, okay. I, I, hey, that's fair. Okay. Now, I'm not going to uh, try to dissect that or even disagree with it. As we're breaking down <laughs> Oklahoma's defensive performance, uh, UCLA was 3 of 13 on third down. Looking at and one of those third downs that they converted was was a long I think it was like 21 yards but still three of 13 okay now we can get frustrated about giving up on third and 21 or whatever it is but third down was the down last year that you just kind of as an Oklahoma fan you you pulled your hair out and held your breath because third down was their Achilles but they hold the they hold the Bruins three of 13 201 yards passing. And then on the ground, UCLA finally broke 100 yards rushing. And you kind of called this, uh, broke 100 yards rushing um, for the first time this season, uh, 37 carries, but only three yards per carry as an average. Now, here's the thing that you got to keep in mind is that those quarterback sacks take away from your rushing average. So what you got to do is you got to actually flip over to the box score and look at the running backs and you see the Felton, five carries, 65 yards. Kelly, 18 carries, 51 yards. I mean, that's that's where it comes from. Thompson Robinson actually ended up with 14 carries, negative six yards. Yeah, that's well, what uh, eats you up on those sacks. That, that that minus 18 run that he had certainly did not help his case. Hey, one thing I want to throw out here because I didn't know that this had happened, but we've got to give a little hat tip here to C.D. Lamb. Why? Because C.D. Lamb completed the trifecta tonight. He, for his career, has a rushing touchdown now which we saw against UCLA. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's got receiving touchdowns. In fact, he had one tonight. But the other one that we're not accounting for at this point was a throwing touchdown. C.D. Lamb has all three in his career. I'm fact-checking it. It's right here on the page. Oh, okay. You can take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Um. Okay, hold up. I- Lamb, Lamb had that touchdown pass to Baker Mayfield two years ago. Oh, I thought you were talking about tonight. No, 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 not I'm tonight. I'm trying to go away. Not when, tonight. When, when did he throw it? Not touchdown? tonight. I okay. could tell there was a little confusion, yeah, so because I had I was, to clarify. I'm looking at the box score right I said here. career. Yeah, yeah, career. but I'm seeing Oklahoma passing tonight. Jalen Hurts, 
Tanner Mordecai, I'd, I'd see nothing nothing beyond yeah, that. The only reason that's significant is it hasn't happened in 20 years. Okay, well. That's it. There it is. Yeah, We can sign off. Good good for you. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you this. Um, we'll, we'll, we're going to close up. We've got a couple of uh, comments on Twitter uh, that we're going to jump to, and um, we'll uh, take our final break, and then we'll go through the Big 12 and wrap it up and then take our Twitter question. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Sooner Nation podcast. Oklahoma with a huge blowout win, 48-14 to over UCLA. Um, look, we put it out there on Twitter. What do you want us to talk about? Chris Harris says, Buki's tackling skills. Now, I don't know if Chris is wanting to talk about good or bad of Buki's tackling skills, but I will say what we've seen through three weeks is better. Yeah, and and here's sure. the thing: they're not. If, if Buki wasn't better, you would have heard his name called at a whole lot tonight. Now there were some missed tackles in there, and here's here from the coach's perspective. Okay, here's where these guys are are messing up. When they come in, they break, they do their breakdown. The mistake that they're making, it's fundamentally bad. It wasn't flushed out of them last season. I believe Grinch is working on these guys to make it happen, but they're lowering their head. You know, you come in there, you break down, and when you go to lunge, you're watching these guys lower their head, and they don't see their target. Buki was so bad at doing that last year. We've seen it a few times this year, but it's not just Buki. We saw Trey Brown do it. We, I mean, yeah, and we, we, we have seen that. Was it the last game from Brown? Yeah, yeah no, it was the Houston game. Okay. Yeah, and, but so we're. it's not like Buki's alone in this, but I will tell you, He's better than what he was last year. This is a better overall football player than than what you got out of him last year. And the, the the main thing that you can contribute to say, here's how you know this kid's improved, is because you don't hear his name called. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't see him getting beat in coverage as much. If I'm if I'm Dana Holgerson, if I'm Chip Kelly, I want to put this guy to the test, right? Well, the quarterbacks. It's not that they're not testing him. He's just covering. So they're not throwing that way. And so that's the biggest improvement on Buki, in my opinion. I do concur with your sentiments there. We knew that he had the instincts, probably the best instincts of any incoming freshman in the nation. I was going to say at the position, but I'm just going to say of any defender. As a true freshman coming in, Buki was the guy who had – instincts that were off the chart we knew that i think there was some turmoil maybe between him and what we saw coming out on twitter let me believe that was with some of the coaching staff all of that played into his meteoric rise through the first half of last season and then his immediate disappearance after those first five or six games what I mean, let's not forget, West Virginia was the game that that I think everyone just said, get him off the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's done. He, he's not ready to play at this level. And and to his credit, he's a guy who came in with a lot of accolades, uh, I mean, had a great uh, high school career, was kind of unfairly uh, compared to Roy Williams as being that guy that comes in and be the, to, to be the savior of the defense. But he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And and when when a guy just finally just gets yanked off the field because he's a liability, but he's had all those accolades, all those people have said those things about him, that that can go one or two ways. It, it can send you down a path where you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. 
Okay, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. The coach that recruited me is gone. Therefore, I'm gone. It can send you down that path or it can send you down the path like, I, I want to get better. I need to redeem myself. I never want to feel that way again. And I'm going to work my tail off to make sure what happened last year in West Virginia never happens to me again. And it looks like that's the path that Buki chose. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, here's here's the thing for me um, that, I, that I was going to just conclude that Sorry, argument. Yeah. You're, you're good. <laughs> conclude that argument with is he's in a natural position for him. Yes. Finally, he understands what's being asked of him. The defense, I don't believe, is as complicated as it may have been under a guy like Mike Stoops. They're not being asked to specifically when we talk about um, the coverages that were being used, zone coverages. Man, where where were we actually playing? We saw a lot of that confusion manifest itself on the field with hands in the air and timeouts being called. We're not seeing that this year. So I think that lends a hand to Bookie. But when you're talking about specifically about his tackling, the only thing that I can say is this is across the board. And I know we're not singling anyone out here, but for the secondary across the board, work in progress. Improvement, but work in progress still. And that's the label that I'm going to use for now. Yeah, 100%. uh, 100% agree. Um, Okay, let's run down Big 12 uh, for the weekend. You got Kansas figured out yet? Nope, not at all. How, how did they put up 48 points? How about West Virginia? You got West Virginia figured out? No. <laughs> Kansas, West Virginia. Man, this, this is wild. It's I mean, the Wild West Kansas, out here. Kansas starts, gets the Big 12 uh, going Friday night, 48-24 um, to 24 win at Boston College, and you kind of think, okay, this is the week that Kansas won't be last in the Big 12 power rankings until West Virginia goes out and drops 44 points on North Carolina State, previously undefeated North Carolina State. Right. And you're just kind of left going, what is going on uh, with this conference? Right now, Texas Tech is in some trouble. As we're recording this, the third quarter is just underway. But from what I'm understanding, Bowman, Alan Bowman has been injured. And that was we, – we talked about him being one of these top quarterbacks in the Big 12 if he was able to – Stay healthy because he had all the health issues last year, and it looks like he's got something going on that I don't know if it's the lung again or if it's just – I don't know. But what I'm understanding is that he's injured. But Texas Tech losing to Arizona right now 13-7. to um, Texas rolls over rights 48-13. to Iowa-Iowa State was as every bit as boring – as we thought it would be, but it's going to win as the longest game of the year with all the weather delays. But the Hawkeyes, I point better than the Cyclones. We, you know, we talked about the game that the Big 12 needed. What, what you looking at? You're, yeah, I'm just. I I was just going in to see if I could figure out what happened, and I, I just, I've got nothing. There. Oh, okay. Um, we talked about the game that the Big 12 needed to I have. Just threw that, my hand that was, up in the air. And just waving like you just don't care. That was um that was one of the games. I mean, it was there for the taking for Iowa State. If you did not see how Iowa State lost this game, you need to go to the power of the Googles, go to Twitter, figure out how you can watch the final punt. Basically, what happens is Iowa has to punt. The Cyclones are down by one point, a minute and some change left. All they need is a field goal, and they've got good field position. You you field the punt, and you're in good position to at least have a shot for yeah, a field goal. Yeah, with a decent amount of time left on the clock. So basically, to make <laughs> this story end, um, 
the re punt returner for Iowa State never touches the ball because his own man just blasts him. I mean, when I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he bumped into him, Rich. I'm saying he full-on lunged and blasted him. The ball bounces off the back of the of the Iowa State player. Of the tackler? Well, <laughs> I, I started to say tackler, but he's his own teammate. The ball bounces <laughs> off of the back of the Cyclone tackler. blocker. He's supposed to be an up a blocker as he's taken out the punt returner. Ball bounces off of his back, picked up by by the Hawkeyes. Game over. I mean, I I love Matt Campbell's. I love his fire. I love the way he coaches defense. I man, I felt bad because it's just kind of like you're 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 in a dogfight against the number 19 team in the country. You just dropped out of the top 25 out of your, after your first game. You have a chance to go right back in there. This is in your grasp. It's there for the taking, and you have something snafu along those lines that happens and just takes away your chance. It's right up there with Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State and Iowa State. I don't know. I gotta say, I mean, look, you, you kick if you're Michigan State, you kick a field goal as with eight seconds left. That basically sends you to overtime. Oh wait, you have 12 men on the field, so that's a stupid mistake. And then you shank it. All right, Iowa State, you have a chance. You're down by one to get the ball near midfield, good good field position, and you destroy your own punt returner and touch the ball in, in the same motion. I don't know, man. I, you tell now, me which is did, worse. Did you see? I think there was a little bit of injury to insult, to use the colloquialism, there when it came to Michigan State. I think it's State. insult to injury, but whatever. Go ahead. It doesn't matter. It's whichever <laughs> one happens first, okay? All right. Um, but when you look at Michigan State, did you watch any of the, the post-game interviews with Tony? Yeah, and look, that's just stupid. I mean, you, you, got, you got beat by a well, freshman and, quarterback. And that's what he said. No. Yes, no. he said there were opportunities no. look, you to win the game. You you have a true freshman quarterback coming to your house. You're supposed to be the best defense in the country. Which I still think they are, which you is crazy. You got beat by a true freshman. So mm -hmm. don't come out there and complain. It wasn't the official's fault. You had 12 men no, on the field. No, no, I no. Get Matt, Matt, I get it. We're not you, talking about the 12 officials. No, I know. You're talking You're talking about the <laughs> leaping, all right? I don't care. To, to say to – say, well, you know what? If they would have called that leaping, then maybe it was a different story. No. Guess what? Guess what, Rich? If you don't have 12 men on the field, it would have been a different story. Right. I, I it's agree. It's stupid. Don't, don't I, go out I there. I agree. Hold up. You just got me triggered. Don't go out there and rob this kid of his moment because you're too dumb to count to 12. That's that's what it is. Take their ownership. Say, that's my bad. That's our defense, our special teams coach. I don't care who it is. That's on us. Don't go out there the coward's way and blame it on something else. Now, you lost. I'm I'm going to say Sorry. the worst loss is the the more embarrassing moment is Michigan State. Michigan State has an elite defense. They've got a championship caliber defense, but their offense is is on. They're a Katy Perry song. They're hot, then they're cold. They're yes, then they're no. <laughs> but that. here's here's the reality: <laughs> is when you've got a championship def defense. If you can even field an adequate, uh, an average offense, these are games that you win. Yeah, and if you count to twelve, you might be able to. But I'm saying, I man, mean, look, if you hold a team to to seven no, I or get to it. one touchdown to ten yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. And Herm Edwards even said mm -hmm. that himself. We're not going to win a lot of games scoring ten points. 
Unless you get to play Michigan State every week. But here's the thing. That's a Big Ten football. It is. Big Ten, we talked about this the other night, and you disagree with me. Big <laughs> Ten, so overrated. I mean, it is such, I, I never said such that they an weren't. overrated conference. I, mean, I thought Penn State was in trouble. I was and watching that. They were too. in trouble. And when I talked about you got to bring someone to the big to the Heisman you got to the Heisman presentation, you got to bring someone from the Big Ten because they cry a lot. Mike D'Antoni just kind of proved a point. <laughs> nah, it's, I just don't think they need to bring anyone you, to New you, York. I usually save those kind of rants for Texas related stuff, but. I mean, come on. Okay, um, Oklahoma State, 40-21 over Tulsa. We talked about West Virginia, Texas uh, rolling. Uh, big games. TCU just pounded Purdue, 34-13. And then how about Kansas State going into SEC territory and, and giving Mississippi State their first loss of the season, hey, 31-24 Wildcats? Let me ask you a question. After the, the slate of games this week, Who's the third best team in the Big 12? That's the response I expected. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> look, it's, I, and I've said that. I, I think it's Oklahoma, Texas, and blah, 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 blah. But Kansas State's definitely been, been impressive. Mm -hmm. Texas Tech had been impressive until what you're seeing from them tonight uh, against Arizona. Um, TCU, I, they were my sleeper pick this year. They're the team I said would make some noise. I still feel like that. Uh, that's that's in place. They they're more advanced offensively than even what I thought they would be. Okay, I thought they'd be much better offensively than what they were last year. But they're they're even better. Um, I think you got a big log jam right there. I mean Oklahoma State. Right. Um, I, I've got. I mean the second quarter that Oklahoma State played today was probably the worst quarter of football that they played all season long. But they came back and they shut out Tulsa in the second half. Um, you know they they were they were down 21-20 at the half and won 40 to 21. So you come back, you play a great second half. Uh, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, they're all right there together, and that's that's going to be interesting. Oklahoma you State. Never even Baylor. I'm not sold on Baylor okay. yet. Okay. Um, they're 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 there. I, I would still put the Bears one tier down from those three. Big game next weekend in the Big 12. Oklahoma State at Texas. Uh, you know, that that's that's a huge game. And all kinds of implications there because this conversation that we're having right now about who's the third best team, if Oklahoma State wins that game, then we get to have a very real conversation about who's the second best team. OU's not going to lose next week because they're off. So we're, we're going to protect them as the best team for at least one more week. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us. Oklahoma 48-14 uh, over UCLA. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you if you follow us on iTunes, uh, give us a rating, a good rating. If you're going to give us a bad rating, just skip that part. Don't, don't do that. Uh, iTunes, give us a rating. Drop a comment uh, on Twitter at Sports Heartland, uh, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Or you can go to heartland-sports.com, and you can leave a comment on our, um, our podcast post there. Have a great weekend, everybody, and fantastic next week. We'll be back to talk to you sometime in the near future. Boomer Sooner, everybody.